Welcome, 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 everyone, to another edition of We Want to Talk About It Now. Julie, you're going to love the episode today. Today's episode is so far removed from any of the characteristics that you have. We're going to be talking about narcissism. Julie, you're you're probably easily one of the least narcissistic per- people that I know. Just one of those people who wants to do good and doesn't care about the recognition. But uh, I just wanted to talk about it with you, Julie, so that you could uh, just really understand how great of a person you are. And that's that's the basis behind this podcast today. So very excited. I have my good friend Eric on. We met. At, at school, we both went to BYU just randomly, honestly, just in the little, what was that class called? I don't even remember what it was called. Some kind of combined class. It was, it was some sort of, let's pretend like we're trying to win awards class, but in reality, I don't. Th- I think one person, won- it doesn't matter. Not, not important for the conversation. <laughs> we can catch up later. So we have, I wouldn't say like-minded. Whenever I use the term like-minded, I want people to think of it more as can argue or have a conversation with one another and not get offended or feel really angry at the other person. I think that's what I feel mean when I say like-minded individuals. It's not like all of our ideologies are the same because they're not, but we have this mutual respect for one another. And that's why I have them on today. Not that necessarily this is going to be a huge disagreement battle or anything like that, but it's going to be a fun one. So a little history lesson For those of you who don't know, narcissism is derived from a name. It's a Greek tragedy about Narcissus. He was a hunter from Thespia, and he was known for how beautiful he was. I I could tell you this doesn't really matter to the story. Son of the river god, and then also son of the nymph Liriope. He was very proud and didn't really appreciate those that loved him. And so Nemesis noticed this. And once led him to this lake, or I guess you could call it like a pond. And Narcissus looks into the pond, sees his reflection, and falls in love with his reflection and just stares at it for the rest of his life until eventually he dies. And so that's where the term narcissism comes from, a fixation with one's self and one's physical appearance or public perception. And I totally get that. I'm narcissistic. I can admit that I'm very, I'm very comfortable in my narcissism. I think it's very important for people to recognize what level of the spectrum they're on for narcissism because it will just make living in the world that much easier for them and for those around you. So I get that having a podcast ultimately is narcissism at its, at its apex, but I just want everyone to know that I recognize, I recognize the irony of talking about this on a podcast. So things that I just want to get out of the way really quick, what narcissism is not. It's very often misconstrued with terms like psychopath and sociopath. Sociopath and psychopath, a lot of these people may have narcissistic tendencies, but for the most part, they don't. The reason being is sociopaths and psychopaths have no conscience and they, have, they exhibit antisocial behaviors that doesn't mean I hate when people use the term antisocial when they're like, oh, I don't like hanging out. I'm like, oh, you're really antisocial. You like to cause harm and don't care about anyone else. Okay, interesting. So psychopaths, sociopaths, they really don't care about the public in general or the rest of humans' well-beings. And narcissists can potentially not care about the well-being of others, but they do com- 
care about their perception. So uh, where on the narcissism scale are you, <laughs> Eric? Uh, I can't say. Great first that. question. Yeah, I, can't, I didn't anticipate that as my first question. Um, well, actually, first off, do you think it's a scale? I mean, that's like my big thing. Any, anything that a person can be described as racist, sexist, bigoted, tons of different words, narcissistic. I, I don't like how in today's culture we've gotten, or maybe just in all of human history, how black and white everything is like, you're a narcissist, you're a racist, you're a sexist. Like, technically, yes, I am all of those things, but I fall, like, for example, I'm not quite as racist as someone in the KKK. And when I say I'm racist, it's not because, like, I'm proud of it or anything like that. I just know that I have I have uh, racist tendencies where I'm, I'm way on the, on the good end as far as racism goes. <laughs> I, I don't want people to think like the, I'm this crazy, crazy racist, but maybe I should have used sexist because that's like a more acceptable one. But it's the same with narcissism. We're all narcissistic. And I believe that, so for example, Julie Gibson's on the low end of the narcissism scale. Donald Trump's way high Agreed. on the narcissism scale. And I'm probably like, if, if that's like your 1% one, 1 to 99%, I'm probably like, at a 60, if I had to guess. But I don't know what you think about the narcissism scale or if it's just like cut and dry. Well, I think uh, narcissism can technically be situational. You can be more narcissistic in specific kinds of situations or with specific groups or specific people. Um, but are, are you asking me to give myself a number of <laughs> what I think my narcissism well, is? Well, I just at? outed myself as like a a 10% racist, so it would be nice if you could give yourself, <laughs> if you could at least give yourself a, a number for your narcissism level. The interesting thing about this question is that if I answer really low, does that make me a narcissist? because yeah, you're worried about what people think. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> th th and that's how I know I'm narcissistic. I'm like, what kind of number should I give for my racism, like where I l fall on the racism scale? I feel like I can confidently say that I'm below a 50 on the narcissism scale. For the most part, I from my own perception as well as the perception of others from what they have specifically told me directly i i believe i genuinely seek out to understand people and communicate honestly and fairly with people and not put myself above but on the same level with so that's why i feel like i can say i'm below 50 but I don't know exactly where that would be. I would say it was an unfair question. I just was curious to see where <laughs> you'd rate yourself because I don't even know where I stand. And ultimately, as far as like narcissism goes, it's basically what other people perceive you to be right. as narcissistic, which shows <laughs> once again that I'm narcissistic because it's how other people perceive you. What you said in your little intro there, I have a question about what kind of different groups for you specific, specifically will make you more or less narcissistic. Like, I don't know if you have any examples yeah. of that. Um, I think in an artistic setting, I can sometimes be more of a narcissist, mainly because I feel like I know what I'm talking about, as far as visual art is concerned, at least. I, uh, I pride myself on my photography. I know how to light things. I definitely have my own style. And so I, in school, I studied graphic design and photography, and that makes me a visual critic of everything that I see and wedding announcements. <laughs> are specifically when I become narcissistic because I see them on people's fridges and I just get excited. I get excited at the thought of critiquing the front and the back, the photo, the design, the typography choice, and I enjoy tearing it down if there's the opportunity or praising it and letting everybody know this is why this one is good, which in a lot of ways is a self-reflection of 
my own style. Even if something is good, I might critique something as being bad or wrong without knowing it because I have my style and I will tell everybody that that style is the right one. Do you care how people perceive your art as far as that goes? Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you, do you care how people perceive your photography? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. And I think like when I critique, uh, and do you care how they care about your critiques? Like if you're like, yeah, this is bad. This is bad. And then someone's like, no, it's not. You're like, whoa, will you be like taken aback a little? Uh, I think in situations like that, I may be more intrigued to hear why. I don't feel like I'm taken aback so much as curious, like, oh, okay, share your opinion with me and let's see if we can come to a, an agreement on what our opinions are or if we're just going to agree to disagree. I hate agree to, get, to disagree. <laughs> I come there a lot, fortunately or unfortunately. I don't know. Well, I think I'd like to kind of go into the history of narcissism uh-huh. a little bit because I think we've always been narcissistic. We just have the outlets now to be maybe not even more narcissistic. We've always been this. Those who've listened to the podcast, all, t- all, all one of you. Thanks, Julie. I guess Eric's listened to one episode, so way to go. Or at least one episode. Wait, have you even listened to one episode? It's been uh, a I listened little, to 10 minutes of one of them. <laughs> it's been a small portion of several. Okay. I'll say that. <laughs> That's a terrible reflection of me as a podcaster. But... My my main vein, like the similar with the spectrum, like you could say someone is a certain thing, but it just means they fall on a spectrum of it somewhere. With narcissism, I think, oh no, it's with social media. I always talk about how technology is advancing so fast that we can't adapt to it. So we're humans, obviously a big part of our history is evolution and getting to this point where we are now. So I think because of all these technology, like we're just not capable of handling the technology that is given to us to be the most efficient. So as far as like our narcissism now, that's what I mean when I say we've always been narcissistic. If our parents would have had social media back in the day, they would have been the same way. And I hate, I hate, hate when the older generation and what's the deal with our, our generation already becoming like the old man with fist waving. Have you noticed that at all? Like, it seems like we got to that part of our, I don't know, our generational evolution a lot faster than generations past. We're just like, we're already just like, oh, look at these 16-year-olds. 16-year-olds, I'm like, they're basically in our generation. Like, generations are getting so much more segmented, smaller segmented, I should say. Like, the baby boomers are like 20 years. And then you have... Like basically since I've been born, they've like had three and I'm 28. There's been three or four different generations that I could potentially be a part of. Anyways, I'm getting kind of off topic. I just feel like we have the tools now. People would have used them similarly, maybe less effectively. I don't know. But that's one of the things that I where I see a lot of us being able to exhibit our our narcissism is through their people posting on like social media is the epitome is it, is it, social media is basically just narcissism. And I, I, once again, I use social media, I get it, but is, isn't it? I don't, I don't know what you think. Uh, frankly, I agree. Um, before we jump too much into that, I want to, uh, I guess, expand upon something that you mentioned, how our generation has sort of evolved because of technology. Um, and specifically regarding evolution, I think evolution itself has evolved because of technology. Um, yeah, I'm just, are you going to explain that? Yeah, okay. so we, for example, like hundreds of years ago, 
there was more nature that was, or maybe more accurately, th accurately thousands of years ago, nature was the main cause for evolution. And now we have technology that is causing us to act differently. Like there are things we don't need to remember anymore, skills we don't need to have anymore. For example, survival skills, that's more of a hobby now. You don't need survival skills to survive anymore. We have medicine that can keep you alive forever. Um, you can eat crappy food all day, every day and stay alive because we have technology that can keep you alive and you, then you can have kids and whatnot. And evolution itself in my mind has evolved because technology is changing not only how we live, but it's allowing us to live when we shouldn't. And so I, I love that. <laughs> I've said that I've said it a couple of times on this podcast. It's like one of my favorite quotes from Dwight is the, uh, we need another plague. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we need another plague is one of my favorite things. I'm just like, man, we are just, we can't die. Like you said, like technology has made it probable, possible, has made it possible for us to live way longer than we should. And that's kind of sort of what the Alzheimer's podcast was about, right. was about like, because of this new thing, like we're starting to see things that we didn't see before because we're living much longer than we were before. And I think we're seeing that with narcissism as well. Just mm -hmm. we've always been that way, but now we can show the symptoms of it yeah, much, much easier than, than we were able to before. Anyone who says that they aren't po like, and once again, I recognize that I am a narcissist. I don't know. I have to keep on saying that. <laughs> I just want to make sure that people don't think, well, hypocrite over here. It's just, it's, I, I just wish more people, this is going to sound so cocky. I just wish more people were like me in the sense that they recognize theirs uh -huh. because if they, if once you do recognize it, you can put boundaries, a few more boundaries on it. Of course, naturally you're just going to want to do your thing all the time, not all the time, but here and there you want to post, but you're going to be able to check yourself and be like, maybe not this one, maybe not this time. And because there's a lot of stuff that I'm seeing that I'm just like, and man, this, I'm probably gonna get some flack for this. Is there any more narcissistic thing than I should have kids? Well, mm, that is a great, my question. genes are so awesome. I, they, they might, this might not be the thought. It might not be like, I'm so cool, but it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be capable to take care of a kid. I feel like that is, is crazy to me that people are willing to, and then, and then they just are like showing off their kid all the time. Just like, look at, look at this little thing I created as opposed to like, they love and nurture it. Cool. But it's like, they're always, that's where the narcissism part comes in is they're so proud of this thing that is part of them. Like mm -hmm. I did this, everybody check it out. Likes, likes, give me some giggles every now and then whenever I do poop posts and, and stuff like that. I would say that as far as parenting is concerned, when people say that it's a, it's very often a subconscious narcissism that, uh, they have good intentions in wanting to have kids. They think, um, like if I have kids, I have somebody that I can help. I can have the opportunity to teach, not so that I will be praised and adored my whole life by that child. But I think, I mean, I guess I go back and forth a little bit on how I actually feel about this, but for the most Me part, too. I, I feel for the most part that people are inherently good, generally speaking. And so when they want to have kids, one of the things they want to do is influence them for the better to improve the world that we live in. 
Um, granted, every parent has their own opinions, their own beliefs and perspectives, and they want their children to adopt those most of the time so that the world can become more the way that they want it to be, which you could say is a little bit narcissistic, creating your own world through your children. You want it to be your world. Um, but for the most part, people want to create a specific kind of world because they think that's the right thing. And so trying to do the right thing is certainly not narcissistic. It's very selfless in my opinion and very much about other people instead of oneself. And so as far as parenting goes, I might even just have to say it depends. I'm, I'm very much an it depends kind of guy. I love it. Just keep sitting on that fence, Eric. <laughs> just keep sitting on that fence. But like, I also get that this is just, once again, it's what allowed us to survive. We wanted to keep people happy so that we could stay in their group. And so it's very important to us, people's perception of us, or else if they have a good perception, we get to stay in the group. Otherwise, we're kicked out of the group. Mm-hmm. But it's changed now to where we can be part of so many different groups, so many different um, there's so many different religions, for example, there's religions, there's sports teams, which I view as like a huge, weird in-group, out-group thing that we've created now. I would just love to show that to like our ancestors. And when I say ancestors, I mean like 10,000 years ago and be like, yeah, eventually we're going to get so advanced that we're just going to, we're just going to hate other people based on this random game. Uh, they would have, <laughs> we're just trying to survive and fight against these tribes so that we can like well, we're trying to fight against these tribes and trying to stay alive from all the wildlife out there. Anyways, but something that that goes along with that is we, within our narcissism, we find a way to create these echo chambers. Uh-huh. These echo chambers that perpetuate not necessarily bad, not necessarily good or anything type of information, but it perpe- perpetuates one way of looking at things as opposed to allowing people to look at other things. And and I feel like we keep these beliefs so that our in-group will respect us. Like, oh, look at this. Like, I'm the same as you. I believe da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I know that politics and religion are like a very touchy subject, but this is why I'm saying I don't think we were ready for social media not that, they were, not that there was ever going to be a good time to get social media. Like We need it so that we can evolve and figure out how to use it. So I'm happy that we have it because we're learning and getting better, in my opinion. But just looking at the last election, for example, and we're recording this in 2018, so the last election would have been 2016, Trump versus Hillary Clinton. And even now, in 2018, you just see people not wanting to step out of line. What do you mean step out of line? Step out of line. Like the politicians? No, no, no. Just people in general. They don't want to uh, step out of line of what their in-group wants to see. Yeah, I agree with that. Because they don't want to get unfollowed. I, I agree with that. And so they just have to like, ultimately what it is is just like, they make this mental decision like, okay, I have 800 friends, whatever it is on Facebook. 600 of them think this way. I need to kind of stick to this. And then you do get those, I think you get occasionally these people who just don't care and are like, right. I want to say what my opinion is. But even that. Well, there, I've seen multiple people say something very political on Facebook before and say, if you don't agree with this, please unfollow me. Like, I want you to. Um, which is interesting because 
wouldn't it be, well, in my opinion, it's very healthy to listen to different views. It's, it solidifies your own views. It helps you understand your own perceptions better. Um, like whether it's politics or religion, I, I personally have more experience with the religion, but it has been extremely healthy for me to understand other religions better. Uh, whether it helped me to understand my own religion or my own belief better, um, or just have empathy and understanding for something different and not necessarily perceive it as wrong like I did as a kid. And so I think when people, Interesting. when people, wait, yeah. so I just want to make sure that I understood that. Yeah. Thanks. You want to see things as different instead of wrong. So Correct. for Usually. example, I, I want to do a very benign example so that people don't get really offended. <laughs> Something like, I think homosexuality will be a, I hope is a fairly benign one. Yeah. Like you, you, it's one of those things where maybe we're taught like it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. But now it's just like, it's just something that is different and that doesn't really affect me. So as long as it's not affecting me, I don't really care. Is that fair? I don't know. I'm probably oversimplifying it because um, I'm going black and white. Right. I think, I, I think generally what you said is correct and I agree with it. I think, uh, specifically getting into more detail in a situation like that, it would be one's perception on God because homosexuality being perceived as a bad thing is generally related to religion. And, but there are plenty of people in the LGBTQ community who b do believe in God. And so their perception of God is different than the people who think that homosexuality is bad. And it's based on their personal experiences, their personal feelings, and um, in my experience, one interesting thing that has changed the perspective is when you don't believe in God, when you take God out of the equation, the question to ask is just why does it matter otherwise? Because I don't generally think that, well, I, not generally, I keep using that word. Um, I don't think that homosexuality is harming anybody. Yeah, I don't know how, I guess that's just how I feel about it. I don't know even more what to say. I think what a lot of people need to do in my opinion, and something that's helped me a ton. It's impossible, but like what I'm about to say is just a generality is you have to start from zero. And what I mean by that starting from zero is, and this is why it's impossible. Imagine that all your learning, perceiving, and everything that has ever happened in your life didn't happen. And you're starting off fresh right now, especially as you become an adult and get older and can have fewer influences mm -hmm. on you. Think for yourself. Yeah, think for yourself and stuff like that. And, and the reason I say we have to, you have to do it multiple times is because you don't want to just be like at the age of 20, all right, starting from zero, all right, now I have this trajectory that I'm going on and I'm basically just going to do the exact same thing. I'm never going to change. I think it's fairly healthy once or twice a year to start from zero to make sure that you don't get pigeonholed into one way of thinking again, mm -hmm. especially like I've seen it uh, with religion more than anything. You want to know with politics, they say politics is basically religion. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, it's believing in, it's believing in someone or something that is going to do the best for you is what you, is what you hope, right? Right. Like both you're hoping that you're going to get a, a desired outcome. For some people, it might be getting to heaven. For other people, it might be lower taxes. I don't want to make that sound like I'm being super flippant comparing those two things, but you know what I mean? It's like ultimately like I want to get my recompense for 
doing what I did to get you to either be worshiping you, God, or to get you politician into this certain certain office. And you just don't want to continue every single, like, just look back on your life and be like, oh, man, for 20 years, I was just this one way. All right, I want to spend another 20 years just being this one way again. You're 40, you're halfway through your life now. That's why I think if you can recalibrate every year, maybe every two years, I think you're just going to have a much happier life. And, and, and in all honesty, you could recalibrate and be like, oh, I'm at a good spot. Like I started from zero and I'm back where I was like a couple days ago when I started thinking about this. I'm not saying that it's just every single time. It has to be this life-changing thing that happens. But we need to take like do these self-evaluations and figuring out exactly what we want so that ultimately we become better people and live happier lives. Yeah, I think trying new things doesn't necessarily make us like those new things, but it does help us. Like sometimes it helps us learn what we don't like. And sometimes it does help us discover what we do like and help us realize what we were missing out on our whole lives. Facing our fears, I think, is is really healthy. And like skydiving as a very simple example. Um, I did that about a year ago for my first time. And... I, I don't know. I guess it was kind of a goal of mine to try it one time. But after doing it that one time, I, if I had the time and the money to do it often, I would do it all the time. Really? Because I, I just had no idea how fun it was. And, uh, but I would have never known that if I didn't try it. And in general, human nature is, seems to be averse to change. That's why we like social media. That's why we follow whoever we personally choose to follow on social media because we decide we want to hear people talk about our own beliefs and confirm them. But whether it's social media or just having new experiences, I think it really opens your view of the world and helps you understand not just the world better, but it helps you understand yourself better when you try new things, hear new things, see new things. Yeah, I would, not that you're saying this, but there are some things that you probably don't have to try. Agreed. But that's part of trying to figure out things as well because I, I I shared this like example with my with my mom a few weeks ago where I was just like I don't ever want to do heroin. Like it's just <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to do that thing because that is something that doesn't enjoy that I don't enjoy. And the reason that I know that is because I've tried hopefully I don't get arrested. I've tried like other substances that are much more benign than than something like heroin. And I just know nope it's not it's not going to be for me and the the risk potential. But you could go and research these things like like skydiving. Go research skydiving. Like It's funny that you bring that up. I think skydiving is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went skydiving Thanks. once. I went skydiving once. I didn't pay for it either. So it, it was a, uh, an ex-girlfriend paid for it, which thank you very much for paying for that <laughs> for me. We went. I was strapped to this 70-year-old man's Wait, he was strapped to my back to the seventy-year-old man, and it was like it was. How long does it? It lasts like probably a good like three. So your free fall, your free fall is probably a good thirty seconds to a minute, and uh-huh. then the next two minutes are you just doing like the little trick stuff, going back and forth. And it just wasn't. It wasn't one of those things for me. But I think this is interesting because people are different yeah. as well. Like. It, it, 
I don't think like we need to accept what everyone does. Like, you know, like I'm not okay with people raping. I'm not okay with people murdering, but let's try to, as far as like victimless crimes go, have a little more compassion and empathy for people because that's really what, and you, you put this down. It was something that was really interesting as far as like narcissism goes. Like there is this crazy, crazy culture that we have now of trolling ultimately It's a lot easier on social media because you're anonymous. But for some reason, people still really enjoy doing it. Like they (laughs) they enjoy they enjoy picking apart what somebody does, making them feel terrible, degrading them in whatever way that they can. But in in a sense, it's still narcissistic. Yes, people don't know exactly who you are at times because of the anonymity of the Internet. But you like seeing the reaction and how people react to it. Like you love getting thumbs up, and then you also love when people like get mad at you. You're just like entertainment oh, value. I gotta do this. Yeah, it's it's really for yourself more than anything. Yeah. Just going to things where because I, I mentioned the let's let's try to avoid victimless crimes. I wouldn't say that online trolling or bullying is a victimless crime. Like you're obviously hurting people. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think I've ever been guilty of it, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. When I saw this, I was just it's never been like I'm very much one of those people who if I have a problem, and that's probably why I don't have that many friends, honestly. <laughs> I probably don't have that many friends because I'm one of those people who if you do me wrong, I'm going to let you know. And I would hope if I do you wrong, you would also let me know because ultimately I just want to do good and make the world a better place. And that's the only reason that, oh, ex-friend, this just last minute cancels all the time on stuff every single week. Every like, all right, we keep scheduling, scheduling, scheduling. And then eventually you're just like, you're not a good person. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to hang out with me, it's fine. I don't mind that at all, but just let at least be man or woman enough to, to tell me that sort yeah. of thing. Um, regardless of what you said about internet trolling being a victimless crime, I think it's, I, I don't think most people understand that it, is not a victimless crime that it is actually hurting people because you, d- you don't see the consequences. The internet feels like a place, feels like a world without consequences when it's not. The consequences that I think most people see online are just what affect them and not how it's affecting other people, which is maybe just confirming that social media and online stuff in general can be a bit narcissistic is because you're not paying attention to other people if you are even capable of paying attention to them. Uh, video games, online video games, are a very interesting example to me. As far as trolling and bullying goes, trolling and bullying—that would no, actually. Too, I have to retract what I said about not trolling or bullying because uh-huh. we definitely, when I used to game with my brothers, we <laughs> would we would play just to troll. We wouldn't even we wouldn't be playing for the game. We'd just be like in like the chat thing. Just would you troll people. your teammates or your enemies though? Both. Okay. Because that's the, in my opinion, trolling your enemy, that's, you could call that strategy. Okay. Trying to bring their emotions down. You just gave every bully, like, okay, cool. Well, technically they're my, they're technically they're my enemy. All the two people that hear this, Eric said it was okay. It's psychological warfare. Like whether it's a world war or online war, psychological warfare is very much a thing. In, in attempts to win anything that you could consider war, um, psychological warfare is frequently considered an important technique and the interesting thing that i've experienced on online video games 
is, I mean, I see people troll the other team often, but it's extra interesting when your own teammate is trying to tear you down and show you how much better they are. Uh, especially if it's a team-oriented game and you are supposed to work together to win, it's there's no rationale behind trying to tear your teammates down. What are your thoughts on if, because as you were saying that, usually when we'd start trolling our own teammates, it's when they initiated the trolling. We're just like, oh, you're such a POS. You, what, what are you doing? Why are you using a sniper rifle? You don't use a sniper rifle. Like that kind of stuff. And then yeah. we're just like, it, like ultimately our thought process behind it was like, calm down. It's just a game. Like we don't, obviously that's not how we articulate it to the person, right. but that's where a lot of our teammate bullying or teammate trolling would come from. Uh-huh. Or be from stupid people that took online video games as if, as if we were in actual war, <laughs> which we weren't, by the way, we were not in actual war. As far as I know, it could be like some sort of weird matrix things where we were in fact, in a war, but I doubt, I, I doubt it. I doubt yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, especially if you're playing a game that is officially considered competitive in my most recent experience, Overwatch is the game that I have been playing. And there's, there's something called quick play, which isn't necessarily considered competitive. You don't even have official ranks necessarily, or at least the ranks don't matter. But then once you get into the gameplay that is officially called competitive, that's when people can get overly serious about it. Winning is everything that they care about. And for some reason, if you're not playing the way that they want you to, a switch flips in their mind that seems to turn off strategy and just want to be perceived as better and more skilled. And like, hey, I know what I'm doing, so do everything that I say, almost trying to be the coach or the team leader assuming that they know how to play every character and every kind of strategy, like they are just the know-all, do-all, be-all. And that's when it ends up being counterproductive and when it becomes, I guess, more of an emotional narcissism than a rational one. Because there are both. You can be rationally narcissistic. It can be, what is the word I'm looking for? I guess you can, it can be conscious. You can think about it. You can ponder beforehand what you're going to do, what you're going to say beforehand and make a rational narcissistic choice, understanding what the outcome will be because you thought of it first. Online video games, in my experience, has more emotional narcissism where people just want to prove they're the best because it's reactionary. Actionary, I would say, is more the rational narcissism. It's an action. And then you have emotional narcissism, which is more reactionary. Does that make sense? There are so many outlets for narcissism. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even think of online gaming. Uh-huh. About like So we talked about social media. There are so many different opportunities for people to express feelings or, or once again, I think, I think this is the right word, or symptoms mm-hmm. of, of narcissism because all, <laughs> online gaming is a huge... Like, it's growing... It's so huge fast, and, exponentially. And, and there's like, there's people who are just like, this is my game. Like this is the one game I'm going to be doing. And there's thousands of games out there for people to go and have as an outlet. Thousands of different social tools that they could use. Esports is a thing now. Video games are now a sport. Well, yeah, I saw, what was it? I think it was a Counter-Strike Global Offensive. I always forget what the O stands for. CSGO. Yes. They have, it's, it's nationally televised. 
on TBS once a year, they'll have the championship. I actually did not know that. When I, I saw that, because I used to play CSGO, that's like okay. why it caught my eye. I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, this is a real <laughs> occupation. And then, and then with that, like esports, like you were just saying, like uh-huh. r- in real sports, all of these athletes now have a way of reaching. I kind of appreciate that we can see, like you can see. This is this is why you know that there's a spectrum. Look at like athletes; you can tell how much more narcissistic they are than <laughs> like, and you can tell which athletes are more narcissistic than others. Yeah. Super easy, just Absolutely. by their how freak like how much they care about their brand. Don't get me wrong. I understand brands are important. It's one of the ways that you can make money and whatnot. But that being said, it's ultimately a form of narcissism still. Like you're on Twitter because you think what you are saying matters, right? Yeah. Same with all social things. When you're advertising your talent and skills, I think that is when it's easier to have it be narcissistic. It certainly wouldn't be narcissistic if somebody went up to LeBron James and said, hey, are you good at basketball? He should say yes. Of course he should say yes. That wouldn't be a narcissistic thing, but for him to maybe, you know, get online. Who's LeBron James? (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. I'm pretty excited for a basketball podcast I'm doing pretty soon. Nice. Is LeBron James a basketball player? (laughs) But yeah, once you uh, really try to advertise your skill as a means of showing that you're better than other people, that's when it becomes narcissistic. Um, But then at the same time, in certain situations, it's important to advertise your skills and your talents. Job interviews, for example, that's what they want. They expect you to do that. When you apply to a university or school, you need to write them a letter to say, this is why I deserve to be accepted. So it's interesting in society, there are times you are expected to brag about yourself. Like society wants it in situations like those because that helps them make the decision that they think is best. And is there any better feeling than, like you just mentioned, like job interview. What just made me, what came to mind was, is there any better feeling than wanting to be wanted? Like by a group, like the dopamine rush that comes. I'm pretty sure it's dopamine. I might be wrong. <laughs> Dopamine's whatever the short-term feel-good drug is. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than me like, you think I could do this? Wow. I mean, I lied on my resume, but wow, thank, thank, this is <laughs> this is going to be great. Now, when you find out that I'm not really great at these things, I apologize, but I can't think of better times in my life than like, oh, this person wants to marry me? Ah. Awesome. <laughs> oh, I I like these people invited me to hang out with them and I never thought that they would have awesome. Like this is this is great. And if you want to know what group you're in, like if like if you're in the in group or 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 know who these people are, so in group out group. If you care what somebody says to you, you consider them in your in group. That makes sense. Yeah. And then if you don't care what they said, they are someone that's in the, in not in your group, and you marginalize them. Yeah, like, they don't matter, and their opinions don't either. Anytime you say, well, not anytime you say, because people say stuff that they don't mean. They people lie all the time. Anytime you don't feel. When somebody says something negative to you, that person is not in your out group and you have, in a sense, marginalized them, which what are your thoughts on that? Like, what are your thoughts on like, because I know in groups, out groups are important and I want to do an entire podcast on in group, out group. So maybe I don't want to talk too much about it right now. But what are your thoughts on sometimes people are just like, 
nope, you're out. Sorry, you're, you're, you're not, your social equity does not benefit me at all. <laughs> um, well, the first... Because it hurt, like, as a victim of this, like, happening <laughs> to me in my lifetime, like, I, I can, I can, I feel like I'm a good read of people, and I'm just like, wow, that person doesn't, really doesn't care about me, and that hurts. And it's not fun. And, and I hope that I haven't done that to people. I'm, I know that I have. But I, I hope that I can get better at not, at not doing that to people as, as far as like giving them chances and destroying all types of groups where possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that came to mind when you brought that up is I guess it's more the person I was in grade school where. Um, like first to sixth grade or what do you mean by grade school? Like one through 12. Okay. Oh, okay. Like okay. 12th grade, you know, gotcha. anything that would be called a grade. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> stupid, Eric. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I like, I've definitely done that to people in terms of who I choose to be friends with. There have been people who wanted to be my friend and, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it I, definitely not to their face. Maybe not even to anybody that I know. I would just ke- maybe keep it to myself. Like, oh, they're kind of stupid. Um, whether I mean that in an intelligence kind of way or stupid, like what a weirdo, I would never want to hang out with them. You look weird. Yeah. You look different. Yeah. Like in grade school, I absolutely did that where people would want to be my friend, maybe even intentionally reach out and I would avoid them because I didn't, I didn't want them to be part of my group. I wanted to be nice to them because that mattered to me, but I was not being kind to them by just avoiding them, not communicating with them, like seeing them in the halls, maybe even try to walk away or run away because I just didn't want to. Was part of that like narcissism in the sense that you cared about how other people would perceive you being okay with that person? Because that that was me in grade school. uh, That's kindergarten to 12th grade. (laughs) In kindergarten to 12th grade, it was... I, and I, I was so jealous of people who didn't care, like of people who could just be like, I will be friends with whoever I want to be. I don't care what other people think. I'm just going to do it. I know that in my experience, it was, I don't want to be friends with them because I know what other people think of them. And that would be a bad reflection. I'm guilty by association, basically. That was definitely me to an extent. Like sometimes that was even the case with the popular kids. Uh, that I, I didn't want to be friends with them necessarily. Like, I feel like if I can even say this, I was kind of in the middle. I wasn't popular. I wasn't unpopular. I was just in the middle. And we had kind of our middle group of friends who were, we were all content being that way. We didn't want to be the popular ones because we felt like they were full of themselves. Were you in drama? I wasn't, but okay. I kind of wanted to be. That I, makes sense. In ninth grade, I took a theater class. That sounds like, because what you, I feel like what you're describing as middle is drama people. <laughs> All you drama people out there, looking cool. back, looking back, you're not that cool. Are you kidding me? <laughs> or do you mean you're not that The not drama cool? kids aren't that cool. I'm, I'm kind oh. of speaking for you here. I'm speaking your own mind. Because I, like when you were describing, like, I was kind of like in the middle. Like that just reminded me of every single person I knew in drama from ninth grade to 12th grade. Anything in the arts, I think, is just kind of, that way, at least in our our generation, it seems to have been that way. I don't know if it's been in, different in other generations or in other states, but in my Utah high school, it's kind of this might sound weird. That way. I just had this thought when you said, "Is it? Do you think it's a money thing? Like, if you think about it, popularity? Dramas, no, 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 no. Sorry, 
because we were just talking about this is we're focusing on narcissism grade school style. <laughs> what I'm thinking of is, do you think that there's like this weird emphasis put more on like, because let's be honest, for the most part, it's usually generally athletes are the popular kids, ninth to 12th grade. True. Do you think that has anything to do with a financial reason or like one, they're physically stronger like as far as like evolution goes, they're better us than us in that way. But two, they also bring in revenue for for the school. So there's actually like a benefit to supporting them more than we support someone like people in drama, because drama's not drama's not making a ton of money for the most part, unless it's like and this isn't a this isn't a grade school thing, that'd be like Juilliard. You know what I mean? Like then we start care that's when we start caring about the arts, is when like, <laughs> oh, you're making us money now? All right. Well, you're you're not you're not weirdos anymore. <laughs> be, let's let's be friends again. Yeah. So your question is, does money have something to do with it? Yeah, not necessarily like not not necessarily like social status or or income or anything like that, as far as like their parents go. But does because I talked about social equity, does just economy? Yeah, financial survival. Almost. I think that. That is definitely a part of it. We, if, I mean, if somebody else can make us money, then we're going to, I think most people kind of try to feed that fire and get more money out of it. But regarding we're always just looking for what benefits us. Survival of the fittest. Like we're still experiencing survival of the fittest in a lot of senses. Like, you know how you're earlier talking about how, well, we can just keep people alive forever. In that sense, we aren't survival of the fittest anymore. But now it's like, you can do X for me. Cool. I will help you where I can. So that actually brings up an interesting study that I read about, um, about givers or takers. Um, so in, in the middle, you have matchers, what we call matchers in this case. So Adam Grant, he's a professor at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. He did a study on givers and takers and matchers. And so I guess to define it a little bit, givers are the kinds of people that give a lot more than they take. Takers take a lot more than they give. Matchers are fairly equal. Um, as far as success is concerned, mainly like business, financial success, who do you think's on the bottom? Matchers? So givers. Is it givers, matchers, and then take? Because I, I, I would guess takers are the ones that are at the top. So... So givers are at the bottom. Um, so you think takers are at the top? Well, now I know what it is. Now I know what it is. So it's takers are in the middle and <laughs> matchers are at the top? Interestingly, so on average, takers are at the top, but that's on average. Yes. At the very top, tippity top, givers again. I didn't know. I didn't know. They, wait, who's at the bottom? Givers. And then the tippy top are giver. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know I could. I, okay. It was gonna that, be like okay, that. that. Makes sense. I thought it was just like gonna be like one, two, three. Like okay. where are they ranked? Yeah. On average, I'm not an idiot, guys. I swear, I'm not an idiot. On average, takers are higher up. They are more successful. There are more takers up high uh, than any other group. But givers, if you're looking at like the top top percentile, you're gonna find the givers. Um, which is interesting because we talked a little bit about like the history of narcissism, evolution um, related to narcissism, and 
it's interesting that the most successful people, like the top percentile, are are the givers, the people who recognize that helping and contributing uh, and caring about others is actually beneficial for success and for business. Hmm. But that's that just just the very tippity top. That kind of makes. That makes sense, though. Very often with one of my friends, whenever we're having a conversation about anything, we almost always come back to the one rule. Like there's one rule, like the golden rule, whatever, doing to others as you would have them doing to you or the don't do to others what you wouldn't want them to do to you sort of thing. My golden rule is don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. And so almost every single conversation that I have, it comes back to that. It comes back to just not even being kind. Mm -hmm. Like you can be very middle of the road. You don't have to be like a really nice person or anything like that. Just because if question for you. So the top top tier is the givers then. Uh huh. Do you think they're extremely narcissistic then? Narcissistic in the sense that people's perception of them is so important that they don't want to look like a taker they want to look like a giver who's helping and doing good things absolutely I th you can absolutely be in quotes humble narcissist um because being perceived as humble is definitely something like that's a for a lot of people a desired trait is humility or at least the perception of humility because that is do you think they're faking it though do you think givers are faking it like you could be a giver and just be like i'm doing the I'm doing this for a very particular reason. Is that is there, is there potential there for for that to be narcissistic? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, not narcissistic, just a possibility where people are just like, yeah, I'm going to be giving, giving, giving just so I can get be that little take at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think that happens all the time. Um, but I think it's also, I, I've seen it in friends of mine, um, what other artists who make an effort to include other people, to help other people. Um, and then you kind of get what, what is called the law of reciprocity, where people almost feel obligated to help you. And you can do that selfishly. If you help them, they might feel obligated to help you because that's just how humans kind of work. Um, like if somebody, if I didn't have enough money to repair my car that got totaled and I had no car insurance and somebody just out of the blue bought me a new car, probably for the rest of my life, I would feel like I would have to pay them back somehow. So the law of reciprocity is, that's exactly what that is. And you can take advantage of the law of reciprocity in business, in relationships, in anything, with the intent to get more than you're giving. I hate that. Um, there's I know even, so many people that do that and I hate it. There's an episode of The Office where Andy and Dwight yeah, go have, back and have forth. a fight. Yeah, they go... Hey, oh, thanks for the thanks for bringing in the bagels for everyone. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I brought in tacos for everybody. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, hey, let me fix your tie for you. Yeah. So that that is a life lesson right there. A good fictional example of the law of reciprocity, like people knowing that it's a thing. I hate it. I that's it's one of the reasons that I hear people who will get down payments for homes from randos, friends family members and things like that. And every now and then I'll be like, man, it would be so nice because I know I'd be able to pay them back, but it would take a while mm -hmm. and I would always feel in debt to them. And that's why I could never accept a huge charitable donation to myself yeah. because I, like you said, 
I'm just one of those people who's just like, I like, I like being able to say I did this all on my own and other people are, are, and I'm not like saying it's wrong either way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works for people. Sometimes it doesn't, but I could just not because <laughs> I've, because we're trying to buy a house right now. So it's like one of those things like, man, could you imagine if someone just gave us like, here's 40 grand, just be like, oh, cool. Don't have to worry about that. We just have to worry about making the mortgage. All right, sweet. But then I go, mm, but there's always, you're, you get cuffed a little bit. <laughs> you don't realize it until like you're in it. I don't care how kind that person is. There's a little, there's going to be a little bit of, I did this. <laughs> it was me. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Um, another interesting fictional example of that specifically that comes to mind is I just rewatched Breaking Bad. Um, all the seasons and Walter White, the main character gets cancer in the first season. And, uh, he declines to receive any money from his wealthy friends. And I think in a way it could be perceived as, well, I don't know if it's narcissistic or just arrogant of him to, to decline. Cause I think it can be, I've thought this for a long time. Part of being a kind person is accepting other people's kindness. If you decline receiving kindness from anybody, that's kind of defeating the point of kindness as a whole. You have to, if you want to, if you expect to give out kindness, you have to expect to receive it also and allow yourself to receive it. Um, so I, th- I think there's at least arrogance in Walter White's idea that taking their money to help him not die um, is the right choice. Uh, him specifically, I think he's very arrogant in that. He just, he doesn't want to be perceived as less because he accepted someone's donation. I guess that would be different in a sense because that's a life and death situation. Right. Where you're just like, ah, we'll see what happens. Uh, that's fair. I agree. Because I still don't think I should have to accept someone being like, hey, we'll pay a down payment on your house. Yeah, true. But at the same Especially time, but, can do but at the same time, I'm not a person who, who would like reject any type of kindness from someone. It's not. It's not the Andy Dwight thing where it's going to be like, oh crap, someone just someone just bought me lunch. All right, I got to get this for them. Like I, I can graciously accept because I do hate people that can't. People who, who it'll just be like, hey, we're going out to lunch. Can I get this? For? No, 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 no. I don't. I was like, I'm not going to, you're not going to be indebted to me for this $10 lunch that we just had. See, and I don't think but it's always just... But if you could Venmo just, me, that'd be great. I don't think it's always just a matter of avoiding the indebtedness. I think it's wanting to stay on top. Hmm. Um, I think there can be a narcissistic mindset in declining offers, declining kindness, because you want to be perceived as not needing it. And... In that specific instance, it, I think wanting to be perceived as not needing it is a way of saying like, oh, I I have enough. I will always have enough. Um, and you won't. So don't worry about it. Also depends on the offer sometimes True. too. Because the reason I say that is I've rejected a lot of, I'm not going to say who it was, <laughs> but I can't get too specific without saying who it was. Let's just say I was offered a trip and it was a trip I was no not interested in going on at all. Like it was more, the more it was, yes, I don't want to be indebted to you, but I also don't want to be indebted to you for this thing. (laughs) Like, Oh cool. We're going, I'm going to make something up. Like, Oh cool. We're going to 
or going to Miami to go Latin dancing. Latin dancing is just not my thing. Yeah. That doesn't like and take Latin dancing lessons. Like that just isn't something that interests me. Also, I don't want to be in debt to you. But like you switch it up and be like, all right, we're going to be going to Miami and all we're going to be doing is eating food the entire time. You're <laughs> like, I'm there. Uh-huh. You got me. As much as I hate that I know that you're going to hold this over my head, I, I'll <laughs> definitely do this. I will do that one thing that you just described. So a lot of my last sort of takeaways from this episode would have to be just be, I think what you just talked about, Eric, is the most important thing. Be willing to give out kindness and in turn be willing to receive kindness from others. And don't feel like they're, and it would be nice if both sides don't have any, is it ulterior motives Mm -hmm. or ulterior? I never know. (laughs) Because like I you think I think ulterior because of like alternate, but I don't know. Like don't have any motives behind receiving kindness, and then don't have any motives but behind like giving it. Like there, it has to be because you want to be kind. It can't be like I'm gonna get something out of this later on. Yeah. Do you have any last thoughts or anything that you want to, or any words of wisdom you'd love to give to the people? And by people, I mean Julie. <laughs> Julie, thanks for listening. Hey. Uh... Maybe I'll give it to myself when I give this a listen later, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. We're going to have at least two. We're going to have two listens. No, off the top of my head, I uh, I don't think there's anything else I really have to add. Awesome. Remember, we're all narcissistic. Stop trying to use it as such a derogatory term to put people down. Same with, and we're going to have conversations about other things like I feel like a lot of people just use words sometimes as like the end of an argument. Like you're racist, boom, shut down, argument ended. When in reality, what we need to be doing is just being educating. I hate using educating because that seems to always be the answer because education works. Mm -hmm. Like learning more and more about different ways that people live and how they, they are a part of society is going to be beneficial. So don't just try to shut people down because you want to know what you're doing is you're just allowing that person. If you really think they're racist or if you think they're sexist, you think they're narcissistic, you're just allowing them to continue in that way because they're not going to listen to you now. If you're not willing to be open and try to figure out how you can get in and kind of change their perception of certain things, they're always going to be that way. And you are keeping the world terrible. You're Yes, that person who's racist is bad and you're not as bad because you're not a racist, but you are are bad because you're allowing that to continue. I think uh, just one thing to add that you reminded me of is, I guess we'll call it conversational narcissism. I uh, even read an article about this, but uh, listening is one of the most important and selfless things I think that you can do. Listening doesn't necessarily mean like not talking. Talking, I think, is included in listening. Um, but like asking genuine questions and really just hearing people out, trying to seeking to understand the other person is, I think, where you can become friends and come to that understanding, even if you disagree. Um, conversational narcissism is what happens when if somebody has something really cool they want to talk about, or like say, "Hey, I bought this really cool new thing." Uh, and, and then instead of asking them to talk about the new thing, you say like, oh, hey, I bought one of those things too. And then you switch the conversation to yourself. We call that Mario, Mario one-upping. Uh, yes, thank you, one-upping. 
Um, one-upping is definitely a narcissistic tendency. It's an unfortunately common and maybe even natural or at least habitual thing to do. And I think if we can learn to just listen, uh, especially because most of the times we one-up, in my opinion, it's, it's so unimportant. The very next day, we're not going to remember that the conversation ever even happened. Most of the time, that is the case. Most conversations we have on a daily basis, we will not remember down the road. And so trying to one-up people is generally a waste of everyone's time. Whereas if you just listen intently and care about the conversation and the individual, then that friendship will grow. Even if you never see each other again, then at least, or like if you saw each other at a glance, uh, one time, then there would at least be some of that mutual friendship and understanding like, hey, that person cared about me during that conversation, even if you didn't remember what it was about. Amen and amen. I have nothing to add to that. I'm not going to one up you right after you said <laughs> not to. <laughs> so thanks, everyone, for listening. The next time that we have something that we want to talk about, we hope you will again give it a listen. Feel free to like, comment, and continue the conversation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you are feeling especially generous, leave us a review on iTunes. We prefer five stars, but value the truth more. We plan on keeping this free to listeners forever, because we love you. Thanks for listening, and let's keep being better. accident what masturbation was realized what best I was... accident you could learn <laughs> yeah. best accident let's be honest there's there's only one accident that's better than that and that's